Hello, and thank you for joining me on this episode of Dropping the Plumb Line. My name is Stacy Mueller. It's 19th of May, 2022, and I am coming to you in the month of Ayar. And finishing this series today, I'm going to be going over Isaiah 6. It's a good word for us who are called to be by God's side and to help through this process that we're in and to see what God is doing. So I want to read from Isaiah 6 today and kind of talk about this remnant, this Joseph company that God has reserved for this time. And it'll just be really encouraging and kind of identifying as well. But, um, you know, God's done this all throughout the ages, is reserved a people that would be able to continue the torch of his redemption and restoration vision. And so we're going to go to Isaiah 6 and let's start with uh, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So Isaiah is getting a vision of the Lord, and we want to ask the question before we go on, who is King Uzziah? Because he had just died, and that is something we need to take notice of because that's how the chapter starts off. Now, King Uzziah was uh, a king at the age of 16. He followed the footsteps of his dad, King Amaziah. And what transpired before his kingship, there was 76 years that God wanted to cleanse the throne. It's the number of cleansing is 76. um, Because Joram, who was Jehoshaphat's son, had married Ahab and Jezebel's daughter, Adaliah, And that covenant that they um, had caused iniquity to be in the camp. Let me tell you, she ended up murdering all of the kings and the royalty, actually, in the house of Judah. And she really came into that marriage with a strategy and an evil intent. And uh, the Lord took the next 76 years to cleanse the house. And it is interesting that America was started in 1776, uh, the, the number for cleansing. And I really think that actually just studying uh, the time of the seven times punishment uh, that took place when the house of Israel had gone into captivity and were divorced from the Lord. And their seven years of captivity of being scattered uh, really came to an end in 1776. And that was the time that the Lord raised up the nation of America. And then America could kind of take that torch that had been prophesied to bear the birthright of Joseph and his son Manasseh um, for the, the good news of spreading the good news to the nations. And that's what she, that was her heart from the beginning. That's why the pilgrims came here and they suffered in getting here and they went against a lot of odds to get here. But when they did get here, they made a compact with God knowing that they had been brought here to the appointed place that's mentioned in 2 Samuel 7.10 and to uh, lay the government of the land up before the throne and ask Jesus to really be Lord of this land and to allow his people to freely worship him. And so they established the tenets of our nation, which comes from the Mayflower Compact, really was the first, the Declaration of Independence. You know, these were the really the tenets uh, that kind of formed our nation into a republic where we could freely worship the Lord. Now, when King Uzziah actually started reigning, 
he it says in second chronicles 26 5 that he was very obedient to fulfill his calling to restore and rededicate the temple but then later on he started compromising and started taking on things that god hadn't asked him to do he started like uh, taking on the priest priesthood role and that did not serve him well it's very similar to america's beginnings we started off good and then we started compromising uh king saul did the same thing he started off and then he started compromising and every time we compromise it only leads to death and so what happened to uzziah is that he ended up getting leprosy leprosy leads to death as well and he spent the rest of his time in a separate home and his son joham actually became the co co you know, king with him uh, until King Uzziah died. Now, Isaiah is now being raised up at this time after he dies to see this temple restored and rededicated and what King Uzziah was not able to do. Now, all of a sudden, God is giving Isaiah this vision, and it's a vision of the new Jerusalem. And so, God, God is really raising up uh, uh, Isaiah at this time to fulfill his call to prophesy God's redemption and restoration plan up ahead. So there's a direct parallel between Isaiah and the first fruits remnant who can see what's up ahead and can actually speak what's up ahead because it's so clear, as well as the parallel between King Uzziah that represents the church age that is coming to an end. But one of the things that's interesting as we're going to continue reading is he gets this call and then he's told that people aren't going to be able to see or hear him. And he's like, what? And so we'll just keep reading on uh, now in, actually, I want to go back to verse one since we kind of went on that uh, bunny trail. But what I want to leave you with is that when King Uzziah dies, that is the uh, end of a season and it ended in death. And when death comes, then what comes afterwards? is resurrection life. So there's a resurrection seed of life that is going to be produced through Isaiah. Okay, uh, going back to the beginning. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above it stood seraphim, uh, angelic beings. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. Now, this is a vision that's very similar to Ezekiel 111. Uh, he gets a picture of the throne. And then, you know, he talks about the wheel within the wheel. Now, the word seraphim actually means consuming fire. So that God's consuming fire, his glory is around the throne. And, you know, God is working on his consuming fire because he is a consuming fire uh, to work within our temples, our physical temples, and bring us to that place where we're consumed in him. And so there is no more death, but only resurrection life. So this is this juncture that we're reading about King Uzziah's throne dying, and then now Isaiah's prophesying this resurrection life up ahead. In verse three, it says, and one cried to another and said, 
Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Whew. Okay, you know, the voice of the Lord will shake the nations. Um, this is exciting. That's what happened at Mount Sinai. Remember uh, when he spoke, the earth shook. And, you know, Jesus is returning with the, the uh, on his horse with the word of God on his thigh. That's what it said. And, you know, his voice, his word is going to shake the nations nations. That is the power that is in our tongue. And so God is going to talk to Isaiah about that power of our tongue coming up ahead. So I said, woe is me for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Verse six, the one of the seraph, then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Wow. We cannot wait for that actually to really transpire in our temples as well. But God is bringing us to that place where our tongues are only going to speak life and not death. And this is the symbolism between Uzziah, whose name actually means strength of Yah, and we come to the end of our own strength and the only the deposit of the measure that we've been working with uh, given to us by the Holy Spirit. And now God bringing the increase and even our tongues will not be able to speak anything but truth and his glory. And this is exciting. Uh, verse eight, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, here I am, send me. And he said, go and tell the, this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. Now, this is very interesting. Isaiah is volunteering to go. He's volunteering. He's signing up. And then the Lord's like, okay, well, here is your uh, responsibility. This is your calling. You're going to speak, but they're not going to be able to hear. You're going to see, but they're not going to be able to see what you see. And they're going to be like, not as excited as you, what I'm sharing with you. And matter of fact, they're going to like be underneath some oppression, keep coming back to you wondering, what's the answer? How can I get free and delivered? And then you're going to talk to them and they're still not going to hear. That kind of sounds like the remnant that they've been going through some of this season where they have heard the truth now from the Lord, seen the truth, their eyes have been opened and they're trying to speak that truth. But the people, many of the even the church, they can't hear yet. So this is actually something that really comforted me when I was wa uh, reading these scriptures because, you know, we can even see today uh, through the trial that we're going through with COVID that there's truth that's coming to the table about the vaccines and people are still not being able to hear the truth or see the truth. They're going to stand on the conviction that those vaccines are good for them and they're going to go back for that booster. And you're, you know, you're just like, what? Why can't they see? 
What is there a problem? And so there is this law of blindness that does come that God speaks of in Deuteronomy 28. And I want to share that passage with you. In Deuteronomy 28, there's a huge chapter of the curses for disobedience. And I want to just go to chapter uh, 28 and verse 28. The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of heart. And you shall grope at noonday as a blind man gropes in darkness. You shall not prosper in your ways. You shall be only oppressed and plundered continually and no one shall save you. So God is giving us warning in these scriptures that when we choose idolatry and choose to walk in our own ways and we make covenants with the enemy, then all of a sudden what we've done is we put ourselves into the curse of the Lord that causes us to be blinded to the truth. And eventually what transpires is that the sin of our ways uh, brings forth judgment and the judgments are put upon us to put the pressure on us to turn from our wicked ways. And when there comes a time when we cry out and we're ready to say, Lord, I'm not going to do this anymore my way. It's not producing any fruit. I repent and I want to hear from heaven. Then all of a sudden the Lord opens up our eyes and then we can see, and then we can come into a greater clarity of what he's doing, what he's saying. Uh, the, the greater uh, walk that we have with the Lord and coming closer to him and following his ways, the clearer our vision is. That's just the way it is. Um, it's, uh, it continues on in Deuteronomy 28 that talks about if they continue to go away from the Lord, then he brings on a yoke of judgment. It says, therefore, you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger and thirst in nakedness and in need of everything and he will put a yoke of iron over your neck until he has destroyed you now normally the iron yoke represented the final judgment that God would deal to his people that would displace them from the land the promised land and cause them to come underneath the oppression of the enemy um, and the wooden yoke was really uh, the judgment that came prior to that, where they would be oppressed in their own land. He would raise up adversaries and uh, it would cause them to then uh, start crying out to the Lord and then start finally turning from their ways. And this is what we read in the book of Judges. And then later you can read in the book of uh, Kings and Chronicles, every king that followed the Lord, things went well. When they turned uh, away from God's truth and his ways, then the people suffered. So nothing new under the sun. Now, there's one reason why I'm bringing this up is because God has promised uh, this land in 2 Samuel 7.10 that there would be an appointed place that God would um, bring his people to. And this land is America. All the tribes, uh, so many of the immigrants have come here from all different tribes of Israel that were scattered coming to this land and they were able to freely worship the Lord. And the Lord has prospered this land and this land has been bountiful with resources and we have been able to go forth and do a great work for the king as far as establishing a ministry and, you know, sharing the word and all those, you know, feeding the hungry and all that. 
Um, but you know, we all know that we've strayed from that and there is uh, an oppression in our land and the enemy is really ruling. Now, God has promised in 2 Samuel 7.10 that we would be a people that would not be removed from the land. And that is why we're still under a wooden yoke right here in this land. But the judgments of the iron yoke of that oppression have definitely been coming quicker and closer to our land of, you know, having what he says, you know, he's raising the enemy, you're going to hunger, you're going to thirst, you'll be nakedness, meaning you won't have the word clothing you because you're going to be like, uh, wondering where is God? And because you're blind, you can't see he was here. He was trying to get your attention. He was asking you to turn from your ways. And so these, this is the process that we're in right now to get God's people to turn. That's what second Chronicles seven, one, four says directly, if my people will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal their land. So anyways, these, this law of blindness really helped me to understand why there are so many people that can't see. Uh, it's part of that judgment. And also, even in the new scriptures, the Lord said that blindness would be upon Israel until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. And Israel today are those who are in covenant with God. All right, let's keep going on in Isaiah chapter 6 in verse 11. Then I said, Lord... How long? And he answered, Until the cities are laid waste and without inhabitant, the houses are without a man, the land is utterly desolate, the Lord has removed men from far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. But yet a tenth will be in it, and will return and be for consuming as a terebinth tree or as an oak, whose stump remains when it is cut down, so the holy seed shall be its stump. Now he was prophesying at this time when the remnant would actually return from the captivity of the Babylon, uh, the ba uh, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. And, you know, the land was destroyed. Jerusalem was destroyed. Everything was taken down, um, except there was a remnant that returned to rebuild and restore. Now that same blueprint is upon us right now. And the remnant that is brought down to God's, what he calls the holy seed, they're his. And this is the God's first fruits. That's what he calls them, the first fruits remnant. There is always a first fruits that is set apart and made holy unto him. And so this is the holy seed that God can work with in his hand that will continue his promise to us to bring redemption in the earth, even when everyone is with God has a seed that will produce life. Now, let's go back to verse 11. And the Lord says, Lord, how long? How long is it going to be till people can hear, till they can see, till they turn, they repent, they get healed? And then the next words that the Lord gives them is kind of bleak because it's almost like the Lord has to shake things up and brings everything down in order for the stubbornness in our hearts to finally come to a point to the end of ourselves and then we turn. And it's at that moment, I do believe, he comes in with his full glory and full measure and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit does get released through signs and wonders and that there is going to be a revival in the land. But there's only a tenth that really God can use in that 
time, in that juncture, in that transition, because they said yes to his consuming fire. Now, going back to verse 6, remember the seraphim flew to him and he had in his hands a live coal that he had taken with his tongs from the altar. And I got that vision or that dream actually of that stake and God's ginormous tongs taking it off the grill and then putting it on a white plate. And so there is a short time when the Lord flipped that stake over before he was able to take the stake off of the grill. So I do believe, remember, we're still going through the final seasoning of that remnant and where they're prepared to go through and navigate through some of these difficult times in order for their voice and the resurrection power of the Lord to come out and to start bolting out of their mouth with fire and signs and wonders following so that, you know, the people can hear and then they can turn and we see this great awakening. I'm really excited about that. Uh, it's very much like Jeremiah. It's going to be that voice that says, behold, I put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, and then to build and to plant. See, the people that God's raising up right now, they have to be able to do all of that. They have to be able to speak the truth. And they have to understand the plan of God, the laws of God, and, and the building process and the architect and how he's designed everything in order to be able to build and to plant. This is why it's so exciting to be living right now. You who are called to be the remnant, you get to come into the full measure of that plan because on 10, 10, 20, I believe it was the time of the Lord that he said, it's Revelations 10, 10 time. It's the, the opening of the seventh seal. It's the time when the Lord is revealing the mysteries of God, that now that all we are going to receive all the necessary details of the master plan and just figure out how everything is working so that we can then go build properly up ahead. And we were been blinded to some of these details and some of the, the knowledge because it wasn't God's time to open up that scroll. Some of the blinding became on us because of the choices that we made, but some of the blinding was of his because he has a set time with which he releases his revelation and causes the people to rise up to further his covenant cause. And so I bless you to have eyes to see, and I bless you with the spirit of boldness to speak with those coals of fire as the Lord leads to you. And I bless you to come into the knowledge of the mysteries of God so you have the full plan plan that's in front of you. You can see every detail of that plan and that because you can see every detail, you understand how you fit into the master plan and how your piece of the puzzle is so necessary and valuable to the master craftsman. And then you will understand that you have been chosen for this time, for this kingdom cause to see these things overturn and for his glory to come into the earth. God bless you. Thank you.